What's going on, y'all? Welcome to episode two of the Generic Youth Media Brand Podcast. And I think maybe the easiest way to explain this week's topic is to just read you the headline that started this whole thing off. Uh, I'm going to read this to you. This is from Vice News, and the headline reads as follows. Ex-Obama advisor says killing 4,000 Palestinian children, quote, wasn't enough. So I know that's a lot to take in, but essentially the background here that you're gonna need to know is that there were a series of videos that went viral that appeared to show a guy harassing somebody who was working at a food truck and calling them a terrorist. And it wouldn't have gone as viral, or at least it wouldn't have gone as serious if we didn't know who this person is. So it turns out that this person's name is Stuart Seldowitz, and he was a former high-ranking government official. And maybe most importantly, he was the deputy director slash senior political officer in the U.S. State Department's Office of Israel and Palestinian Affairs from 1999 to 2003. So the person doing the harassing and, as you'll hear, making threats to this guy's family wasn't just some random dude off the street. It was a former government official. So I brought on Manisha from Vice News to talk about this and also what it was like to go and talk to the victim of this attack. So let's get into it. Yo, yo, what's up? Hey, Dexter, how's it going? I'm excited to kind of dig into this story a little bit, as much of a sort of sad story as it is. But um, overall, I'm doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess let, let's get into this. So if y'all have not seen this one, um, and I'm just going to let y'all know ahead of time, this is not going to be a pleasant video to watch. Um, but so let, let's take a look at this now. We killed 4,000 Palestinian kids. You know what? It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. Go, go. Wait. It's not my fault that you pray to a criminal. Listen, listen, I'm, I'm open now. Do I buy something? No. Okay, go. I don't want to go. I'm born here. But you're a terrorist. You support terrorists. Listen, go. Did you f your daughter like Muhammad did? Hmm? Did you f your daughter like Muhammad? I speak English. You only speak English? No, speak English. No. You don't speak English? Yes. Alright, well, that's, that's, see, that just shows how ignorant you are. Because you know, Muhammad was a r you speak Arabic, the language of the Quran, the Holy Quran, that some some people use as a toilet. <laughs> what do you think of that? People who use the, the Quran as a toilet. Does it bother you? <laughs> Does it bother you? Tell me the truth. I don't speak English. You don't speak English? That's too bad. That's why you're selling food in a, in a food cart. Because you're, you're ignorant. But you should learn English. It'll help you. Of course, when they yeah. deport you back to Egypt. Yeah. So, this obviously is a, it's a version that y'all edited down. It's, you know, I a low light reel, a highlight reel. I don't know what to call it. But there, some of these video was is floating around. And so wh where did you actually, where did you originally see it again? Twitter. Okay. Yeah. And, and so a, a, a student had, a student at Columbia, you said had posted this? Yeah, she had posted it. Um, and basically it was passed on to her from someone who knows the, the Muhammad Hussein, the car, the cart worker who mm. was the one targeted by most of these, these tirades. And he was the one who was filming them. Yeah. And so maybe we can back up a little bit here and talk about 
so this guy's working in a halal cart. Mm-hmm. Maybe people from New, who are not from New York don't know what this is. I mean, this was sort of a new thing for me too. What is a halal cart? Why do these things exist? Who, what, like, what, what is that? Because we're, we're saying this like everybody knows what it is. Yeah. So halal cart. Um, I mean, actually, it was my, a friend of mine was the one who told me about them when I moved to New York, and he was like, "You have to try halal cart." He was like, they're taking over hot dog stands as like the lunch of choice. Um, And it's basically just like little food trucks, little food carts, and they'll serve you like, you know, halal, like meat, like lamb or chicken or what have you with rice, seasoned rice and a salad. And it's just a very popular, very delicious um, and fast meal. And yeah, they're they're kind of all over the city at this point. And I I mean, I highly recommend eating some if you're in New York, they're really good. You can find it anywhere. You you can't you kind of can't go wrong. It's it's part of really part of the part of the landscape. First off, because they're always there, always yeah. there. Like you you get out of the club at three a.m. They're there. You know you're there at ten the next morning for some reason you decide or whatever. Like they're setting up. Like you can get food. It's it's part of the landscape and it's part of the community. People know them. You they know you. Um, you know, obviously a lot of immigrants and, you know, it's just it's part of what makes, frankly, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm an outsider, so I don't know if I can say this, but it's it's a big part of for me in my mind what makes New York, New York. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny that you say that because that's the exact same thing that some of the neighbors um, of this particular halal cart who we spoke to. They said the same thing. You know, one of them said, I'm a single woman. I'm here walking my dog. She's like, these guys make me feel safe. Um, She's a Jewish woman. And she was just Mm -hmm. like, I feel safe having these guys on the street. They're always here. um, And they're kind, they've become my friends. Um, So yeah, they're, they're like a little, they're, they're a fixture, you know? Yeah. So let's get, let's get back to this. So you see this video floating around it's on twitter and it's it's been posted by somebody who knows the you know who knows the worker right and so at this point all you're seeing is you're seeing a guy you know yelling at somebody who really it seems like this person wants no part of any sort of conflict mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And and they're basically trying to de-escalate and say, hey, I'm trying to work. Hey, I don't speak English, you know, regardless of how much English he actually speaks. He just he just hey, you're yelling at me. I don't want to fight with you. I'm just trying to sell lamb over rice, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what you want. Um, and then he comes at him with what we're seeing in the headline. And so. Which says ex Obama advisor says killing 4,000 Palestinian children wasn't enough. I mean, you heard it in the clip. By the way, if, if it wasn't obvious, this you, when you watch the video, and you know, the video that, that's on Vice's site and on Vice's social media, there's different times of day and different outfits. So this isn't all barrage that's happening in one day or, or you know, a long tirade. It's multiple tirades over probably different days. So you see this, you see this collection of videos, you see these videos. When do you realize who this is? So he had been working with um, this lobbying group called Gotham. And 
someone in someone in the comments said that he looks like this guy um like that i think they posted that photo that's in there the one on the left side okay so at that point i'm wondering you know okay what's the deal with this lobbying group i start like obviously searching his name going to his linkedin and i email gotham uh pretty much a couple minutes after seeing the video and i was like mm -hmm. hey like kind of trying to confirm his identity essentially um so i shoot off that email and then gotham actually went ahead and tweeted um i guess they had been maybe maybe they saw the video i don't know if they got other media inquiries but they tweeted and they said that they had cut ties with him i forget the exact wording of the tweet so wow. so as soon as they did that i'm like okay well that's id confirmation um yeah and then yeah you know like they're and and i went and like they had deleted stuff off of uh they deleted his biography page off their website like they acted very quickly but it was wow. all still there so i went and like you know whatever you use the Wayback machine quickly yeah, screenshot yeah, this yeah, linkedin yeah. before that goes down and it and it lists a lot of his accomplishments um including you know his sort of appointments um advising multiple presidents i think they i think they called it vile and disgusting in their tweet um you know in that sort of initial tweet where they yeah they cut time uh, there he goes it says video video of his actions is vile racist and beneath the dignity of the standards we practice so they really like for me as a reporter that was big because you can't yeah. you can't just go off of what people are tweeting even if it looks maybe it looks exactly the same, you kind of need more verification than just that. And that kind of allowed me to sort of get these other pieces together, like his LinkedIn and, you know, his various, I mean, he's, he obviously has a bit of a footprint with yeah. having worked at for all of these places, right? Um, mm -hmm. So that's kind of where my head was at with that. Um, but, but honestly, like it does goes, it, it really, like people were saying, oh, the internet kind of did its thing. I mean, in this case, they did. People did really chime in very fast to identify this man, um, and and then it sort of has has snowballed to the point where now he's been arrested, which we can get to later. But yeah, it was kind of a, you know, it was kind of a crazy thing to to witness just the swiftness of all of this, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and let's let's go back to this. If you read the article, there's stuff that isn't necessarily all in the video, right? And so you can see a little bit more what's said. But this guy, Stuart Seldowitz, says he has friends in immigration and that, you know, the Egyptian intelligence agency, right? You know, just thinks I'm I'm guessing just think CIA here wants your picture. And yeah, the Mukrobot in, in Egypt, he says, they'll get your parents. Does your father like his fingernails? They'll take them out one by one. And the guy, the worker again, who we find is, we, we don't, at this point, you don't know his name yet. Not at the point uh, that the article is written. No. But then he said, the guy says, please go. I'm just trying to work. Please go. I'm just, I'm just trying to work. The guy says, tell me why I should go. I'm standing here. I'm an American. This is the this is a person that's harassing the worker is saying this. Tell me why I should go. I'm standing here. I'm an American. It's a free country. It's not like Egypt. So he's just harassing this guy.
Yeah, he, he's refusing to leave. Um, he Obviously, he's come back multiple times. Mm-hmm. You know, at one point he said, I'm going to put up a sign in front of your cart that says that you support Hamas. Um, like, he's real, and, 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 and like, yeah. how do you interpret, you know, this man taking your photo and talking about his friends and immigration, talking about deportation, talking about your parents in Egypt, like, he's clearly alluding to his own influence, you know, whether or not he's just mostly like talking shit or not. Um, That is what he's alluding to. It does come across as a, as a threat. Um, And, and then once you find out his actual credentials and you're like, well, he did actually work for multiple presidents. Like he was connected to the white house at a pretty high level. Right. So like, if you're, if you're an immigrant, that's yeah. pretty nerve-wracking, I, I would imagine, right? Absolutely. I mean, if you're, and as we find out later, English is not this guy's strongest suit, right? No. And and which which we don't know this at the time. I remember watching the video at first, and I'm thinking maybe he's he's playing like he doesn't understand because he just doesn't want to engage. Same. I th- I actually wondered if that was a tactic, and I was like, if that is, it's very clever. Yeah, uh, I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the most us has not said, excuse me, no English or or whatever country you're in is just yo, you trying to sell me something? Excuse me, ma'am, I I don't I don't speak Chinese. I don't yeah, know what yeah, you're yeah. talking. About. Like, no, I don't want to engage with you. Like, I have I've been very 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 mildly harassed in some situations. I'm thinking. This is a great tactic because this guy's really trying to defuse. And I think no matter what, he's really he's really trying to defuse. I genuinely understand that, uh, that he's it really just does come across as somebody who is trying to deescalate. And yet this guy is saying, I'm going to put up big I'm going to put up big signs here that says this guy believes in Hamas. That is going to come through. You you know exactly what the intent is. And, I mean, the only way that one could read that, I certainly know how I would read that. If somebody said they would threaten me with that, it's, I don't think I could view it as anything other than, hey, I'm not going to hurt you physically, but I'm going to see if I can put a target on you. I'm going to see if I can perhaps encourage or entice others to. Because, I mean, we can look at plenty of other articles now that have documented people actually being attacked for the simple fact of speaking Arabic in public, for being Palestinian, for looking, you know, looking the part and the part mm-hmm. just being brown. <laughs> that is the part. Yeah. You know, that, that by, by the part, that's what I mean. And so what how could this be anything other than terrifying? And then maybe you think, okay, this guy's just talking trash, but how do you know? You don't know who this person is. And he's goaded kind of, I read it as like, he's trying to goad the worker. Like he's mm-hmm. not accepting any of the de-escalation tactics. Yeah. And he's almost like, it's like he's trying to get him angry or something, you know, like provoke some sort of a reaction from him. Yeah. And by the way, this guy has figured out, okay, this person's Egyptian. 
that's not Palestine. Yeah. That's a that's a different place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that too. Uh, which we don't need to go any further than that. I just I just want to, you know, lay that out there is just immediately that, you know, the accusations, yeah, they try to goading him in and you know, bringing up the Quran. Why? You know, and then again, I mean, this line, there's just what he says, if we killed this, this guy who's harassing this worker, he says, if we killed 4,000 Palestinian kids, you know, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And he's referring here. He's not just making up numbers. These, these are numbers actually that have been confirmed. This is how many people have children. Children have died. Why would you say that to somebody? And how terrifying must that be for somebody on the street who is alluding to connections that you don't know if this person has or doesn't have? And yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that really says it all. I mean, I there was a lot of nasty comments in his in multiple sort of rants, but I think that one is is the worst, honestly, because um, he's kind of, I don't know how you describe that, bragging, taunting him about mm -hmm. the deaths of children. Um, yeah, so, yeah. and I, it's just, it's wild that this, this person was advising presidents, you know, on policies relating to Israel, Palestine, and, and other countries. Um, you know, it it's just, yeah, I, I don't know. That That's a really tough one to kind of wrap your head around. Um, I don't know that we've seen this level of like, you know, a lot of times we hear we hear certain things and they, they're dog whistles. Um, you know, this is not a dog whistle. This is very, very blatant. Um, he did not kind of, he did not try to disguise his views at all. And maybe that's because he thought he was just simply talking to a halal cart worker who who will never have any power over him, you know? I, I think, yeah, I, I, th I think that's precisely it, right? I mean, I mean, because if you look, so as you said, you found a podcast where, you know, he's he's talking about, you know, in official capacity, right? He's he's talking about his analysis of, of the situation, right? His analysis of the war and... And he says things, and I'm going to read some of these things. And, and this, again, this is the article that you wrote here, um, that, that you're bringing these things up. And I think these are really important. So in an hour-long podcast, he, he says that Hamas is to blame for any Palestinian civilian deaths. And he said reports about the poor conditions in Gaza are exaggerated. These are things that we've heard very, very middle-of-the-road politicians say. This, this, mm -hmm. these, these things, <clears throat> excuse me, these things in America are not controversial to say. This is not controversial to say that Hamas is to blame for any Palestinian civilian deaths. Hey, if some civilians in Palestine died, you know whose fault that is? Ultimately, the blame lays at Hamas. It's their fault. And if people are saying things in Gaza are bad, that's exaggerating, right? The next quote. 
He says, the Israelis will and have in the past done almost everything that can reasonably be expected to keep civilian casualties down as low as possible. And he describes Israel's uh, defense force as a moral army. Then later says that it is hard for Americans, it's very hard for Americans to relate to Palestinians because, quote, because their culture, their history, their religion, and so on is so different than most of us. I just want to stress here that these are not controversial things to say in the United States right now. The last one might be, maybe you'll get the occasional person that says, hey, you could word that a little bit more nicely. But these, <laughs> these this comes off, I think, for a lot of people. I'm not talking about y'all here who are listening, I'm not talking about me, I'm not talking about our guests. I'm talking about for a lot of people, this is a very middle of the road, neutral, even handed thing to say that anything bad that's happened is all Hamas's fault, that the Israelis are, you know, the, the, the military is a moral force and they're trying to do good, only good. Normal stuff. And then we see what happens when he thinks that only brown people are looking. I don't know how to put it other than that. I, I really don't know how to word it other than that. That, that the audience is not, again, th there's no need for a, a dog whistle at that point. It's just, hey, I can treat you like this because this is how... It's hard to it's hard to imagine that this is other than this is how the person truly feels. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he wouldn't respond to our request for for comment. We even I even left a note at his apartment building. Um, but doing the true work. You're okay. Shout out, shout out to you though. You're. I mean, this is this is what's important, right? Giving the person every opportunity to explain themselves, right? Because even the thing that I just said right now, like. It's hard to assume anything else other than that, hey, this is what you truly believe. Maybe that's not the case. You've asked. Yeah, what has his he response been? Yeah. He didn't respond to us, but he did do a couple of interviews, one with the Times and one with a, a different outlet. But basically what he said was that he he was the one who was engaging the Halal Card employee he wanted to ask, he, he basically said, I wanted to ask him about how it's a tough time to be uh, an Egyptian in, in the States right now. And I guess like he, and like he admitted that he was the one who sort of was repeatedly engaging him. And he, what he was seeking out was like, in his words, was like a condemnation of Hamas. Um, and he didn't get it, according to him. And so he just sort of repeatedly went back to this guy because he was, he was upset. And then, you know, he says he's not Islamophobic. Um, but even, I think, you know, he, he says, I probably shouldn't have said, he said, I said things that I probably regret. I, you know, very tepid apology, right? Very tepid. But to me, I think it really stands out that he felt like, here's these Muslim, you know, workers who are in my neighborhood, I have the right to go and engage them. 
and seek whatever comment he was looking for, whether it was a condemnation of Hamas or whatever. Yeah. I have the right to go up to them while they're working and repeatedly seek out, you know, this type of engagement, this conversation, this condemnation. And even that alone, I think, speaks to a great amount of entitlement on his behalf. Like, I don't think that I have the right to go up to anybody who's doing their job and engage them in a discussion about politics on this issue or on any issue. You know what I mean? I don't walk around with that sense of an entitlement, but he clearly does because he admitted as much to to the Times and to another outlet after this video went viral. And I think that yeah. that's, that's sort of got a nuance to this whole thing, but it really says something, you know? I mean, it's wild. And again, the, you know, the explanation here, I mean, that he tells the New York Times that, hey, I know many people who were Muslims and Arabs and so on who know me very well and know that I'm not prejudiced against them. You know, the standard I have black friends line. I mean, it's it's terrible, you know. And so we hear his explanation. A couple of things happen basically immediately after that, right? Which is um, the police are become interested the police become mm -hmm. interested and then and then you go decide that you want to talk to the person who was harassed what was what was the order of events there what happened so of course we reached out to the police you know when we did the initial story um, and they said they're monitoring they're monitoring the situation they're aware of the videos mm -hmm. that night um New York's attorney general, she retweeted or she tweeted our story and she basically said, this is not acceptable in New York. Like we won't tolerate it essentially. Yeah. Um, anyway, the next morning I emailed the police again because at this point it's gone completely viral. I'm on my way to see the, the halal card employee. So I emailed the police and they say our hate crimes unit is now investigating it. So that's like, very different answers with maybe like a 12 to 15 hour difference mm -hmm. in time. One was like evening, one was the morning. So I'm like, yeah. okay, now they're investigating it. Um, so then we go and talk to Muhammad, who is the halal cart worker. We talked to his boss as well, uh, yeah. who his boss is the one who, who sort of speaks better English um, or speaks English. Muhammad speaks actually very little English. So that wasn't that wasn't just a ploy that he was using to kind of get Stuart to leave him alone. He actually yeah. doesn't speak very much English. But we do the interviews and we find out from Islam, the boss, that, um, you know, basically Stuart had approached Muhammad three times and he filmed all three encounters and then also went and talked to, you know, was harassing a night shift employee. And that night shift employee called the police and apparently was told that, you know, this just happens in New York City. You just kind of have to deal with it. Um, so that's what, what apparently. Whoa, happened. whoa, whoa. I'm sorry. To what? Yeah. So and I will say here that I've asked the police about that because it's, you know, that's an allegation and they have not responded to me. I said, this is what I was told, um, you know and they haven't responded to whether or not that actually was the case. But 
this is what the food cart sort of owner told me is that the police said to one of the employees who was harassed um, that this just happens in New York City and just to kind of deal with it. Um, and he also said that on another, there was another occasion where, you know, a customer saw Stuart Seljowitz harassing, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was Ahmed or if it was the night shift employee, but called the police and they didn't show up. So, um, you know, with that being said, certainly after the story went extremely viral, the police did investigate. And, and now, as we know, they've arrested Mr. Seljowitz. So, you know, all, all I can say is that's that's sort of a very fast um, change of, of change yeah. of pace. Yeah, I mean, and you know, if what he said, if what the owner said is true, or if what he heard is is actually true, mm-hmm. then I think that shows what the the really the power of virality and media um in some of these scenarios yeah can do uh you know i don't know if that's necessarily a good thing to be honest but it seems to be the case in in certain scenarios you know i I mean i think it it's a very much a double-edged sword but it's a double-edged sword that that cuts in a direction that you really don't want it to cut most of the time because again if what everybody is telling you is true then what that means is that multiple times people went to the police went to the authorities and said hey somebody is committing something that you probably think is a crime or at the very least somebody needs some help and nothing happened and the only way that something did happen was they got pressured into doing something by the fact that you wrote something vice publishes an article and everybody starts sharing it which is that that's not good the the, you know the the thing that we should count on keeping us safe should not be oh man somebody's hitting me somebody's yelling at me somebody's harassing me somebody's threatening me i hope it goes viral i hope the algorithm likes this yeah, or I hope the guy harassing me used to advise the president because that's a big part of why media outlets, you know, cared about this. I mean, I even admitted as much to you in the beginning of this, which was I wasn't sure if yeah. we were going to do a story on this or not, right? Because there's so many of these types of videos. Like the fact that something going yeah. viral is like a is like a stopgap. Um, for for actual investigations is is not a good it's not a good place for us to be really but we do know that crimes are underreported and a lot of times they're just not taken seriously because hate crimes are harder to prove Mm -hmm. um and also i think a lot of times police can kind of say well it's free speech you know like there's always that line that of what is a hate crime and what is free speech and but yeah he was he was charged with multiple crimes so he wasn't just charged with a hate crime jeez man and then again Seldowitz was as you've written here in the in your article he was acting director for the national security council south asia directorate under former president barack obama and was the deputy director 
slash senior political officer in the U.S. State Department's Office of Israel and Palestinian Affairs from 1999 to 2003. So not just somebody who's up in the government, not somebody who's up in or, you know, who has ties to the government and something unrelated, specifically related to this, specifically the person who we're relying on, who we were relying on to give us analysis, to help us think through things, to help direct policy. What should we do in this situation? People's lives are in the balance. People's well-being is in the balance. What should we do in this situation? Here's the person who's giving that advice out. Yeah, he, and he, it's like he's not just a bureaucrat, you know, which, of course, there's so many bureaucrats. Like, this is somebody who was senior enough that he's advising the president um, on 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 these like foreign policy matters. Mm-hmm. In fact, he won he won the State Department's Superior Honor Award three times. Like th- this is given to someone who's, you know, had sub- a substantial a- accomplishment and impact. Um, yeah. So that sort of goes to show you. And I mean, that's yeah, it'd be interesting to sort of. It would be interesting to know more about his time in those roles and what sort of influence that he had. Um, but, but yeah, that those are not sort of just whatever positions. He's not just sort of a, a cog in the bureaucracy machine. Um, you're actually advising the president on things. So. Yeah. Um, who knows? But what we do know right now is what I think a lot of people were probably wondering is how did this guy feel? You know, the person who's being harassed. So, because when you're watching these videos, the videos that went viral, all you're hearing, you don't see the person's face. All you're hearing is a guy saying, please go, please go. I'm trying to work. I don't speak much English. So let's, let's watch this video here first. And then I want you to tell me a little bit about this. Cause this, this is honestly why I wanted to have this conversation. Cause I thought, yo, this is, this is wild. وانا مبتسم في وش الزبون بعد ما صورت اول فيديوين انا بعتهم لصاحب العمل بعد ما جيت ثالث مره بعتهم للناس الشغالين حواليا بحيث ان الراجل ده لو جالهم يخلي بالهم I watched the video and you know I saw that my street corner and I immediately ran to the cart because to me my heart is angry and broken that anybody would invest with my friends or my people when I walk my dog at nighttime they're always on the lookout they give me a free falafel um, they're part of the community. I feel ashamed uh, that uh, a guy in such ranking uh, would uh, would use such a language to talk about uh, to talk to a 24-year-old that's not even responding to him. And then he goes on the New York Times and claims that the, that Muhammad initiated the whole uh, thing, and then he apologizes. So the, this is it's not a political campaign here to lie to the people and uh, try to twist things around. I would appreciate it if he comes and apologizes and say that he made a mistake and. And he says the truth, not to blame it to Muhammad for... He's a very good kid. He's, he keeps everything to himself and uh, he's a good kid. So he's going to move on. So, yeah. And for those who might have just been, you know, listening, basically, you know, who weren't looking at the screen, the guy's just explaining, you know, here's what happened to me. But, you know, so his boss is, his boss is having it deal with all of this too yeah i mean it was a bit of a zoo uh, like there was just a lot of media that day mm-hmm. but 
I will say Muhammad, um, he's, he's a shy, he comes across as very shy. He didn't really like, he was shying away from the cameras. We kind of stuck around for a while. We, you know, we just chilled for a bit, but like, you know, he was sort of shy to do interviews. He genuinely, um, he speaks very little English, but he's not the type of person who comes across as confrontational mm. at all. So, you know, you contrast contrast that with what Seldowitz told the Times, which was that this this guy working at a halal cart told him that he supports Hamas and that sort of sparked the whole thing. I mean, it just it's a sharp contrast to what we saw and what we witnessed when we went and hung out that day. We were there for a few hours. Yeah, I mean, I'm even based on what you discuss with him. I mean, now I'm it's I'm really even in doubt that he would even be able to articulate in any real defined way. I believe what Hamas did is a good thing. Like, just, just based on, he immediately switched over. He yeah. didn't want to speak English yeah, because that's how he could express himself. I cannot imagine if I have a belief that I know somebody's going to disagree with. I don't want to do that in a foreign language. I don't want to do that in a language I'm uncomfortable in. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not arguing with you in Chinese. It's not yeah. gonna happen. I'm not good at it. What was going there to talk to him? Like, cause I know you, you went there with Eliza, right? Yeah, me and Eliza went down. Um, you know what? It was kind of cool. Like it was. There was a lot of media. Mm -hmm. Um, not like an overwhelming amount, but there was a sort of sort of a steady stream. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was cool to see the neighbors rallying around them like it did have that new york energy where people were kind of like don't fuck with our tribe like and and the thing is seldowitz had told the times that he or, or one of the outlets that he was upset that these guys were in their neighborhood but the neighbors were were totally like they'd set up a picnic table and they were just hanging out there eating they mm -hmm offering people like free falafel and they were just saying and several of them that we talked to by the way were jewish but they were saying like these are our friends they're part of the community um we were horrified when we saw yeah. the videos um and just quite defensive i would say and then now there's been a crowdfunding campaign i feel like maybe at least like $30,000 has been raised to sort of support support the various uh, halal card employees at this cart. But so there has been like an outpouring of support. And like, I feel like, you know, that was just nice to witness because mm -hmm. it was such an ugly story and the videos were, were pretty horrifying. Um, and so it was nice to see that real sort of camaraderie. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, this this right here hit me this quote near the end um that yeah as you write upper east side residents dropped by the food cart wednesday morning to show their support for the employees one of them pamela witzner said the workers make her feel safer in the neighborhood is this person in the video yeah yeah, yeah. she was the one who was being interviewed there yeah and did she and you you mentioned that she's jewish did she like come out and say like Hey, yeah. I think you need to know this. Yeah, she did. And she wasn't the only one. There was a couple mm. people there who just wanted us to know that. And I was like, all right, that's, you know, fair enough. Yeah. 
Yeah, and her quote, she said Seldowitz has, quote, hatred in his hatred in his heart, but that he doesn't represent the community. And then she says, don't fuck with my people, which that's right now. That's that's something I think worth paying attention to the wording. Don't fuck with my people. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think that, that that just means a lot, but that also shows. Also, man, who who's mad at the people who sell food in your neighborhood, man? Who who gets mad about that? Like, legitimately, who gets mad? Also, who doesn't like halal carts? Like, why why? This, this yeah. is not even a matter of racism, Islamophobia. It's a matter of taste, bro. Like, why are you mad? It's just really impractical to hate on. <laughs> vendors in your neighborhood and like in new york city i mean people love like people love the little interactions they have with their bodega guys like you know yes. guys they buy weed off in the smoke shop the food cart guys like you have these funny little interactions with them and you know it's like i i i'm not surprised that people were defensive over over these guys yeah yeah i mean that that's one of a i think a very small category of people that if you mess with them people will be upset with you like you are not going to in the court of public opinion you're not you're not going to be doing very well there your neighbors aren't going to like you um i had a, i had a question that when i posted about this on instagram earlier that i was going to be talking about this um Seldowitz was making these sort of veiled i think it's hard to read them as anything but threats but um maybe i'll leave that alone but yeah you know references to his family mm -hmm. references um you know muhammad islam's family what do do you did he did you have the opportunity the chance to talk to him at all about his family did he speak about his family at all so i we didn't talk about his family that day um you know and to be honest it's like we were trying to get the main points of the interview done because there was just a lot of kind of media around but I yeah. did see I saw you post that question so I asked Islam the the boss um about that and he said thank god his family you know seems fine his family in Egypt Muhammad's family in Egypt uh okay. seems fine so whatever Seldowitz was implying um as far as what we know right now there's nothing that's come to fruition in terms of his parents or his family being you know hurt in any way okay yeah that's that's good I mean that that's good to hear because again I mean this is this is really the stuff that's being said in here is real cartoon villain type stuff like yeah I'm gonna have I'm going to have some people in another country torture your family, pull their fingernails out. I'm going to, I'm going to have your family tortured. Like, that's an incredible thing to say. And it's something that I say cartoon villain because it doesn't sound believable. And it certainly mm -hmm. doesn't sound believable from coming from the mouth of somebody who actually has connections with the government. Right. If I would have had, um, Muhammad Hussein is his name. If if I would have been him and if I would have had somebody help me read the article or translate or whatever, and I would have read it, I would have said, oh, my, this this guy's that powerful. I'd be terrified. I'd be more yeah. scared than I was. It's really 
quite bold that he sort of allowed this video to even disseminate to the public because, um, you know, the, the torturing thing is one thing. I mean, it's a wild thing to say, but also like talking about someone's immigration status, talking about deporting them. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm an immigrant here. I'm on a work visa in the States and I get like, I can tell you, like it weighs on you heavily whether or not you, you know, are, are documented, I imagine it's so much more stressful if you're undocumented, but like that stuff does really weigh on you. You're always sort of calculating and you have someone who's connected to the white house saying you're going to be deported. I mean, that would really freak me out. Um, even if yeah. you know, you've done nothing wrong, you're, you're, you know, so I, I think that's just like kind of a malicious, um, taunt and i i'm sure that Seldowitz is aware of that or he wouldn't have kind of raised it multiple times right so yeah yeah well and it sounds like that's where things stand right now is that the he's so he's been he's been arrested um mm -hmm. he has pled not guilty to all the charges right four charges uh one of which is a hate crime he's pled mm -hmm. not guilty um you know given a couple of statements to outlets that are not vice that spoke to the New York times. Right. Um, mm -hmm. sounds like Muhammad Hussein and, you know, his boss, Islam Mustafa, are, you know, doing, doing okay, you know, still selling Philly cheesesteaks and chicken wings and fries and, you know, all that hot dogs and everything like that. People still buying, um, uh, you know, and, and, you know, the neighborhood's just trying to get through it. Um, has, has there been anything else since then? That's all, that's kind of all the updates that I have right now. I guess it's mm -hmm. going to have to work its way through. So if he's pleading not guilty, then ostensibly, eventually there'll be a trial. Um, so that would be something that I would definitely pay attention to and just really curious what would come out in that. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I mean, e even as you said it, the, a lot of the reason that this made the news is because, and I'll just be frank, I fully understand what you were talking about when you said, is this an article? Is this anything? Because it happens so much that you can't chase all of them down because you, I've, I've read, I've seen numerous things like this and a lot of times it won't go any further than the small community where it happened because it's mm -hmm. happening too much. I mean, and let, let's be clear, this is this is something that happens to a lot of different communities and it didn't just start. It's of course getting far, far worse right now, but, you know, anti-immigrant stuff, shoot, anti-Semitic stuff. I mean, you know, I can think of a number of people who have made that worse over the last year, a year and some change. Um, you can't chase all of these down. You can't write all of them because you'd never finish. And so the fact that, you know, we as, as journalists, you have to make that call at that point is, is terrible. But, you know, just know that when you see this, this isn't, sadly, this isn't an isolated incident. This is just a really, really egregious, egregious one, you know? Um, but yeah, well, I'm glad, I'm glad you got to talk to, I'm glad you got to go talk to him. Yeah, me too. Yeah, because I, I think that's that's one thing that we don't often get to hear from is just 
okay, who is this guy? You know, you see the hateful person on the other side of the camera. You don't always get to see him. Um, but yeah, no, nah, I mean, shoot, if I was out there, I would definitely pull up and, you know, get something. But <laughs> yeah, get some halal cart. Did y'all, did y'all get anything? Yeah, we did. I got, I got lamb and lamb over rice with Classic. the salad. It was really good. The falafel was also great. So if you're in the Upper East Side, I can, I can go for the food. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming through. And also, uh, Eliza, Eliza, I know was out there, you know, taking photos and, and help make this thing happen. Uh, people busy, so not everybody can show up every single time. But hopefully, I'm hoping to have um, Eliza on in the near future too. Hopefully, they can come through. Um, but Misha, thank you so much, so much. Um, first for working on this piece um, and bringing it out to everybody. But thanks for coming on and, and talking about this with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's always fun to talk to you. I'm glad I got to see you. Definitely. All right. Take it easy. Okay. Bye. And that is it for this one. Uh, quick outro. You can find Manisha's information in the show notes. You should definitely go follow her. And all the articles that we referenced, everything we talked about, all the links to that also in the show notes. And also, just like last time, I got to say um, this in case you couldn't tell, this was this was recorded live on twitch so if you want to catch those live maybe ask some questions in the middle of it you know because i'm always taking questions you can follow twitch.tv slash dex digi that's d-e-x-d-i-g-i i'm gonna say that one more time twitch.tv slash dex digi obviously links also to that you can find in the show notes and if you click that now and you follow it now you get a notification for next time we go live so again if you want to ask questions you can do that and as of right now the current schedule is tuesdays 12 noon eastern 9 a.m pacific time we'll see how that works out but that's what we're aiming at right now but anyway um very different topic uh from last week i know last week we talked about andre 3000 and the flu album this time we're talking about racism islamophobia um I hesitate to even guess what next week is going to be, but I do have some ideas. And of course, if you have some ideas, I'd love to hear them. I'm Dex Digi on basically everything. Instagram, threads, TikTok, YouTube, uh, pretty much everything. Everything except Twitter. I don't touch Twitter. Um, but that's about it for this one. And by the way, if you yourself are a journalist or you happen to know a journalist that you think I would vibe with, you know, feel free to point them or point yourself uh, in my direction. Anyway, that's it for this time. I'm going to catch y'all next time. And until then, stay in tune. Pay attention. Peace.